Leading a fashion business in today's ever-changing economic background takes a multitude of skills, along with guts, instinct, and energy. In the Industry.Fashion's In Conversation podcast, we talk to the people who are in possession of all of those qualities and more, including those who have set up their own businesses or those who have risen to the top of fashion businesses, large and small. We delve into the background of these leaders' careers, find out what drove them to success, what continues to motivate them, and what their ambitions are for the future. We also get their take on how they see the industry developing, along with their advice for those wishing to follow in their footsteps. Rosamund Moore designs with women in mind, creating beautiful shoes with an enduring spirit. Using strong women as a daily inspiration, Rosamund celebrates female empowerment and produces luxurious handmade footwear that is comfortable, beautiful and designed to be worn with confidence. The experience of rushing around London, combined with becoming a mother, helped to shape the foundations of the brand. She tells me, Tom Shearsmith, news editor at the Industry.Fashion, about the early stages of brand development. Launching a business at the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, her sources of inspiration and the science behind a comfortable heel. Rosamund, welcome to the podcast. It's so good to have you here sitting in front of me, which is quite a rare opportunity. We've been chatting a bit before we started recording, but I want you to tell me and now everyone listening where your journey sort of began and where it began for the brand that you now have. So um, I went to Leeds University and studied French and Italian. And um, I think actually people questioned, why are you doing Italian? You've never studied it before. But I just I hadn't even been to Italy on holiday. I just had this absolute passion for, for, the, lang- for the language somehow. So, um, and that has been so useful moving forward because I use Italian on a daily basis, uh, talking to suppliers. Um, so I'm really glad that I studied it. Yeah. yeah. So it seems like it was a wise choice. But obviously you mentioned to me about the, the sound of your grandmother's heels sort of subliminally influencing you and then your interest in heels grew you then went to uni and learned Italian but how do you go from university to founding this business yes well I always have been mad and crazy about shoes and all of my friends uh have always seen me in heeled shoes um but actually I fell into the world of design and advertising quite by chance um, after university because I, um, there was a design agency that was looking for an Italian speaker to, um, to liaise with an Italian client. And so I, yeah, as I said, I just fell into it quite by chance. And from there, I then carried on working in agency work in Leeds and then moved to London in design and agency, uh, design and advertising agency work as well. Um, so yeah. So then, how did you leverage all of that experience into actually um, solidifying what you wanted to do in terms of brand curation? Well, I don't. I don't know whether my experience in design and advertising actually then led me to, um, you know, sort of then wanting to launch my own brand in footwear. Um, I think I already had a huge passion already. Yeah for footwear, um, you know, from from being very, very, very young. But actually it was taking time out 
to have my children and um, I didn't work for 10, 10 years. Um, I was working in charity um, in that 10 years and um, I was then thinking, what, what do I really want to do? What do I want to do? And as the children were getting older, it was then that I realised actually that footwear was completely my passion. Yeah. And I wanted to share this with other women as well because people would see me in heels a lot of the time and they would go, but how can you wear heels all the time? You know, how can you run around? Don't you find them uncomfortable? And I realized actually that people really had, women have really struggled to find comfortable heels. And I thought, well, with my experience um, of whizzing around London to meetings when I was working and also then being a mum of three, going to events like weddings and christenings where you're always on your feet, I had the experience of footwear that I could then share with other women and bring that knowledge and that expertise to life in footwear. So then creating heels for um, all needs for for people that actually love heels. They've got wedges and higher heels. And I would stress as well um, for anyone listening, you've obviously had that um, upbringing in the UK and you talked about walking on London streets, but that's not where you live now. Um, I do wonder, has where you live now um, influenced your your career and what you're creating now? That's a very interesting question. Do you know, I've never, I'd never thought about it. Um... Just in terms of in my head, if I think of, um, if I was a designer, probably what I design and what I pick up from the world is, probably quite different in Romania as London. Yes, yes, exactly. I don't know. I mean, I I don't know whether the actual environment yeah. morphed my sort of um, sort of passion in any way or led to any designs, um, design concepts in any way. Um, and certainly the terrain is very similar to London terrain. Yeah. So um, it's not like, for example new areas that are completely flat ground and no cobbles um uh you know so the terrain sometimes is not always conducive to to heels yeah um but um yes i'm sure you know the the architecture has probably influenced certain ways i know that the architecture in italy had a massive influence on our star collection on the star collection that um was very first uh design and I will ask you about the Star Collection shortly, but it seems a little bit um, impromptu for me to ask that without actually really getting you to describe what the brand is and does. Um, many people will be familiar with your work. My boss mentioned that your shoes were instantly recognisable. But if you had to summarise what exactly you do and put out to the world in a nutshell, what is it? So the Rosamund Muir brand makes heeled footwear uh, for women who love heels but are often slightly worried um, about wearing heels. And what we offer is a selection of heels um, that can be uh, wedge heels for those who love the idea of heels but couldn't possibly, um, can't wear nine centimetre heels or ten centimetre heels they love the wedge heels and we move up the scale. We're just launching some seven centimetre heels this spring, summer. 
and move up to 10 centimeter cone heels. So, um, you know, we're not going to say that all of our shoes are, com- you know, comfortable because the term comfortable might work for one person, but not for another. But what we're trying to do, and with my own experience as a woman walking around and wearing heels, is trying to make as, you know, as many comfortable heeled shoes uh, for women as possible. Um, So, um, yes, that's what we do. And are also simultaneously to this, which is equally as important um, as our, you know, the luxury brand is our sustainable aspect as well. So we only work with surplus stock leathers. We source all of our leathers from Italy, um, from the tanneries that um, only produce by byproduct leathers. And so we actually make really small batches because we, we often don't get um, a lot of, you know, we might even only get 15 square meters of a certain type of leather that we really want to put into a, a boot. So... Um, uh, so small batch production and everything is handcrafted. We'll continue with our In Conversation podcast after this short ad break. Department stores are more than simply shops selling a multitude of goods in separate departments. They are an intrinsic part of our social and cultural fabric. The Industry.Fashion has teamed up with Klarna for Business to provide an in-depth insight into the past and future of this most resilient of retail formats. In our latest in-depth report, The Department Store Reimagined, we celebrate the history of this long-standing retail format, explore how leading department stores are adapting and innovating to create compelling omni-channel formats, investigate how other retailers are adopting department store characteristics, proving the continued appeal of a multi-brand curated offer. Plus, read our timeline taking you through the key landmarks in the history of department stores from the late 18th century to today. Download your free copy at theindustry.fashion. So what I want to do then is break the brand down a little bit because you mentioned the, the sort of sub-collection there um, with the whole concept of stars. Um, talk me through that collection and because as far as I understand it, there's a, uh, a historical or family context to it as well. So Yeah, so the star collection was actually created and designed in my mind uh, even before I launched the brand. Um, and many, many years ago when my, uh, my two boys, uh, who are now 13 and 11, actually, I was reading to them, um, and they're younger, probably about the age of five and three. And there's this lovely children's book um, called No Matter What by a Scottish author called uh, Debbie Cleori. And um, it, it sort of takes you through the book. It's about a fox parent and a child. And the question is that the child asks the parent, would you still love me if I was this? You know, would you still love me if I was that? And it comes to the last couple of pages. And um, it's, you know, the, the, the child asks the parent, what happens when we're, you know, dead and gone? Would you still love me? And the parent looks out to the skies and says, look, how the stars shine, love like starlight never dies. And simultaneously, we go to um, Italy, we have a house in Puglia, and it's a, a truly style house. And the skies are the most clearest skies that we've ever seen. And we love to stargaze when we get there. And um, 
for me, I mean, it's something that always, whenever I sort of think about it or tell the story, I always get the back of my hair on the back of my neck just comes up because it's such an emotive, um, you know, design for me because it's all about the children. It's all about my love for them. And the stars just, um, it's just such, such a symbol of, you know, family and love. And um, my mother is there. I lost my mum at a young age. Um, and she is a symbol of that starlight as well. And she and, you know, that, that passion that she had in life for creation is my driving force. Yeah. And basically, that is the heart behind the brand, really. So. Yeah. Yeah, and, but it's nice to see that that heart that is so prominent in this collection is actually carried through the entirety of the brand in some way. Because um, you you keep it on um, small details on the shoes. I think was it the the back of the zip. Yes, there's there's the stars. It's just nice that any shoe that you look at from your collections that that is always present, and you can always look at it personally and reflect on that moment. Yes, yes, and the star. Yet yeah, the star is always is always there, um, and also the the shoes are named after my personal stars too. So um, my children, um, family members, um, friends, yeah. dear to me. So yeah. So if you uh, if we move from sort of the the context of the brand and the shoes and the collections. I really would like to know about the production side of it because you sort of dabbled and told me about um, the sustainability, which we'll, we'll cover later on. But I'm really interested in the actual craft of the shoes. Um, you, as far as I understand, it was one of the most important things for you to keep this proper uh, Italian production of the shoes. Um, talk me through how it, how it's made and what considerations you basically took so really when uh, the the concept i will have the design and i sketch everything i'm very old school i don't work with um sort of computer programs um uh in design so i'll sketch out the shoe and i'll have a particular color in mind and um what i'll do is then i will go to my surplus stock um, leather suppliers and say, do you have a particular color um, matching this particular Pantone as a reference? I will get a whole load of, you know, samples back, you know, either in suede, uh, paintant, um, uh, mock crock, uh, any of those different sort of textures, different leathers. And um, from there, um, what happens next is that the, pat the pattern is then created so the pattern is then created in-house in the small atelier that we work with. And there is one person who is there specifically just for pattern making. And um, so that pattern is drawn up and we then um, have the pattern cut out and the prototype is made, first prototype. So that comes to me in my size and I wear that and I road test it. So no footwear gets past <laughs> me first, you know, before. Um, and if it's not 100%, yeah. then it goes back to second prototyping and made up again. And it, it never goes beyond third prototype. I'm normally pretty happy by third prototype. Um, 
So then from that stage, we will then small produce batch. So we make size 37 to 41 at the minute. We can make size 35 and 36, but we um, make to order. So customers can actually um, email us and say, um, could we possibly have a 36? So that happens a lot at sort of Christmas time with uh, presents and people are like, oh, well, yeah. size 36 or size 35. Um, we can turn that around pretty quickly yeah. within a month. Um, so we will make a series size 37 to 41 and a series is 13 pairs of shoes. Um, at production, when we're releasing them, we make two series. So you can see that we have such small batch production. We never overproduce when we're selling online. We, if we notice that the levels are dropping down to below 13, 12, then we put in another order into the atelier. It can take up to two months. So we can be out of stock for a little while on some sizes while we just um, get those levels up again. Yeah. But it just means that we are never overproducing. We're always using the leather. So if a particular style might not be popular, then we can, you know, stop making that particular style and use the leather that we have bought for something, something else. So we're always uh, using up the leathers. Yeah. So that's the process, and then we yeah. send out our little babies. You Into know, from you know, I sort of we package them up. I'm involved in the packaging. I um, put little handwritten notes in. I always double check each pair of shoes before they go out. So uh, nothing goes out without my last look on them. Mm -hmm. um, and then off, the, off they fly. Yeah. And are you like road testing a prototype today or is this a certain shoe that's from a collection that is upcoming or out? Um, what I'm wearing today is, are the Amour dark olive boots. Um, I love the Amour uh, collection. It's... Uh, the original is the based on the the heart, so that's why they are the Amor boots. Mm -hmm. And actually, I'm not. I, I, they've already been well and truly road tested. And Tom, today I shall be. Um, I've been in them all day. They're ten centimeter heels. I will also be getting a train later after we've had our chat today, mm -hmm. and then uh, <laughs> going up on the train and then taxi somewhere else. And they are my little. They, they work with me well, actually. Yeah. Well, they never let me down. I really want to know. Is there a science? Is there certain considerations you make that would make, uh, you know, a generally comfortable heel? Well, um, yes. Um, and it's something that we chat a lot about talking about heels, because actually I think not a heel is not necessarily going to be perfect for everybody. So when I talk about the 10 centimeter heels that I wear, which are actually in a cone shape, um, they're very, very comfortable for me because I'm used to wearing heels. But I wouldn't make a 10 centimeter in a thinner heel because um, I wouldn't find that comfortable. For me, there is a big leap from nine centimeters to 10 centimeters. So we have nine centimeter thin heels, which I find very comfortable. I was wearing a Paulina boot in great purple all day yesterday very comfortable but there is that extra centimeter height 
that in a narrow heel actually does tend to lend to be uncomfortable. The cone heel that we create at 10 centimeters, which is across quite a few of our styles, I personally find very comfortable. Um, other people may not, just simply because they may not be used to wearing heels. But I do believe that, you know, people need to try and test as well and, you know, see what works for them. Because uh, we have lots of lovely wedge heels that uh, are on offer. We have seven centimeter heels, um, nine centimeter and, and cone heels. And we do find that um, people who actually test out the 10 centimeter heels on the Aurora shoes and the Montana heels are absolutely pleasantly surprised. And many of our customers had said we never, ever, ever expected them to be as comfortable as that. Mm -hmm. So there is some science in the fact of the shape of the cone at the top, which gives actually that extra support to the heel. Um, and with the Aurora sandals, well, we've got the, the lovely sculptured heel at the back, which actually lends to supporting the ankle. So it's not wobbling uh, in the foot, which yeah. actually is even more support. That's very interesting. We'll continue with our In Conversation podcast after this short ad break. I'm Tom Shearsmith, news editor at TheIndustry.Fashion, and I'm here to remind you that every day we dedicate ourselves to producing daily news, features and insights to keep our readers up to date and ahead of the curve of events changing the UK fashion market, such as breaking stories, interviews and analysis. Remember to check in every day to stay up to date. All of our content is free to view, and why not sign up for our free daily update newsletter? Probably a key part of your brand journey, you launched during a pandemic. Yeah. It's probably the hardest time to, to let alone launch uh, a business, but to, to pilot a business, to sample for a business, to then put out um, a category of, of clothing, really, that wasn't really the most desirable at the time. People weren't going out to parties, just like people weren't using lipstick, really. People weren't really looking for, for fancy shoes. Yeah. And yet you did it, and successfully. From a personal point, how was it doing all of this during one of the hardest times we've ever faced? It was really tough. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. It was really, really tough. We launched in March 2020. Um, and it was, it was like, oh my goodness, you know, nobody's going to wear heels. Everybody's wearing slippers and trainers. Are people ever going to wear heels again? Um, I, I mean, I was wearing the Felixa boots pretty much every day during, uh, during lockdown. Um, they are my go-to, uh, comfort zone. But, you know, I was launching a business at the same time as three of my children were online schooling as well. So um, it was really, really challenging. Uh, I actually sat at the same desk as my then four-year-old and I had a year one class constantly um, in the background while I was, you know, working with marketing team, um, PR team, working with the atelier online. And um, there were challenges but actually, I think, you know, if it doesn't knock you down, it yeah. makes you stronger. And we rose up and we rose up and we went through, we had so many um, successes in our first year of launching, even though, you know, 
it was it was COVID. And the brand was recognised for um, its quality and sustainability measures. And we were um, uh, best uh, best of British in Tatler, um, best best British brands to have in your wardrobe uh, um, by Grazia in, in, in the first year and um, best sustainable brands um, recognised. And we really did achieve a lot, even though people weren't wearing the heels mm. but it gave us great confidence um in the brand and to keep going and we kept going and i my goodness i'm gonna I, i'm not gonna lie i would frequently wake up most mornings going what the hell am i doing why are we continuing going on people are never going to be wearing heels again um but people did slowly surely yeah. um come back to wearing heels and um I'm very, I'm really proud mm-hmm. of what we've accomplished in the last three years. Yeah. So, well, looking back on those three years, obviously that first year, you mentioned all of those those awards and accolades that you've got as a brand, but what else have you, you achieved over that time? We've had a massive growth in awareness. Um, the brand is recognised in the UK, in the States, uh, Middle East, in Asia. Um, We've re- we're really growing and expanding, but actually always staying true to our really important ethos of sustainability um, and making sure that we are always adhering to our ethical practices. Um, we will um, we work with a very very small atelier of only you know seven people work in, in that atelier. Their craftsmanship is second to none, and they practice that traditional craftsmanship mm-hmm. how how do you keep that that heritage and that importance in the brand throughout everything you do i imagine it's quite simple um be it you only work with that supplier but how is it that that carries through the entire business well i think i'm we do i mean the heritage is so important again it's always uh keeping true to our values of um you know what are we doing what are we doing? We are making healed footwear that, you know, sort of is available for people in their teens and people in their 60s, 70s. We want, we don't want to exclude anybody if they, they have a love for heels. We want to make sure that there is something there for them mm-hmm. um, that they can wear. Um, we, it's very, very important for us to continue with that empowering of women um, and, you know, very much kind of building other women up. You, uh, if you want to wear the heels, wear them. Nobody's going to judge you. Um, if you want to put on your heels, like anybody wants to put on a, a bit of lipstick or do their hair nicely, it's how we um, relate to our femininity. And uh, for me, for example, um, you know, I, I love wearing heels because I feel very feminine in heels. Um, so going forward, you know, we'll always make sure that we stay true to what we always, um, what we always wanted to do, which was, um, to be a very, you know, really, really ethical, sustainable brand producing luxury shoes, um, and never deviating from that. Yeah. (laughs) 
So if I look towards the, the future for the business, you mentioned about the possibility of other sizes, especially upon request from customers. But I wonder what other avenues or areas you're potentially looking at exploring or considering or just something that you think is going to be important for the business going forward. What are your plans in the next, let's say, 12, 24 months? We would love to introduce uh, larger sizes into the collection, size 42, 43, 44. Um, we've already had some uh, interest uh, to produce loafers, um, Felixa boots. Um, so that is definitely something that we want to offer customers as well. It was always a dream of mine to... Um, to have a children's range as well that would actually, you know, be, um, you know, sort of with the star and keeping that star collection alive with children wearing boots and pumps and things. I think there would be some flats there for the first time. There would be some flats. (laughs) Um, But, you know, that that was my dream that I've had. It's still there. And then I think also, this is something that we've been discussing recently, is um, then branching out into um, surplus stock material fashion. Now, I have actually designed a few of my own clothes and I've used some surplus stock silks um, that I found in Italy. And um, I would love to uh, branch out more in sustainability and uh, create more sustainable fashion um, using you know, these wools that we find and silks as well, not just leathers. Yeah, that's exciting because obviously what I can see in front of me is so many shoes that have hours of work from your side and then hours of work from the ateliers and then thinking about all the the marketing people that you've got in your business as well. There's so much effort and there's so much intricacy and, and time that goes into these pieces. And I think it's really hopefully it's going to be exciting to see that effort also applied to to fashion yes yes i mean it really there the time scale tom of of how it works it really does and actually even introducing a new heel for example working with the the taca feature the heel people in italy can take six months so it it's such a timely procedure um, to actually develop a piece of footwear. Yeah. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, it, it really is very timely. And all of the elements that go into it, all the sourcing of the leathers, all of the components, and each each piece, actually, when you are developing a piece of footwear, you actually start with a last. You create the last. You work with the, um, the last companies. Then when you're happy with that, particular last which I'm you know these uh, these big plastic <laughs> models then you then send it off to the um the sotokiedi the insoles mm-hmm. uh so then that is attached on to the bottom of the last then and then from there it then goes on to the swallow feature for the soles so that they can actually then produce the sole for that particular last mm-hmm. and then from that, then it goes over to the Taka feature, the heel company, which might be in another different part of Italy. And then they create all the stamps. So you have heels in various different sizes as well. So it's a it's a long process. Yeah. It can take, you know, at least 12 months from the concept of designing 
a new shoe to actually getting all of the components, um, you know, to make it. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy, but it's a testament of the, the level of dedication that you and everyone who's involved in the entire process has to, to this talent, to this area of, of fashion. So, yeah. I mean, well done. Honestly, you. pat yourself on the back for everything that you've done in terms of keeping this skill going. Yes. But also what you've achieved as a brand. Um, I just want to say thank you for giving me half an hour of your time to talk about your life and everything that you're doing. Thank you so much for having me, Tom. Been a pleasure. Thank you. If this fashion leader's story inspired you, why not head over to our website at theindustry.fashion or find us on your favourite podcast platform where you can hear from many more leading industry figures. Don't forget to subscribe so you can be sure that you never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, please do leave us a review or rating. If you would like to suggest names that you would like to hear on the podcast, feel free to drop us a line at press at theindustry.fashion and remember to visit www.theindustry.fashion for your daily fashion fix and to sign up for our free daily update newsletter.